a new development with the local hemp processor has it now going back into business after settling its $69 million lawsuit. We're going to discuss how the original owners of bluegrass bioextracts came to terms in the lawsuit and how they're restarting their venture under a new name. Stay with us. This is Inquire. For the Mr. Inquire, I'm Don Wilkins. And with me again is County Government Reporter Jacob Mulligan. And Jacob, you have written a rather interesting follow-up, uh, some new development to our local hemp processors. And, and and when I read the story, I was sort of dumbfounded by it all. You had this $69 million lawsuit, then all of a sudden you didn't. And they've settled and come to an agreement. So I guess give give the background, a little bit of the background of this original $69 million lawsuit and then how it all played out, how the original owners of Bluegrass Bioextract have now essentially started a new company under a different name. So I'll let you take it from here. So um, as we talked about last time with the initial reporting, um, Gerald Eds and Bruce Peters, the original owners, had signed an agreement selling the company to Reno, Nevada-based LLC uh, Detect Ventures, uh, whose offices are out of California. Um, in that deal, um, Detect was to pay Eds and Peters in staggering installments, uh, with the first being a million-dollar payment in January followed by two $35 million payments. Uh, those payments obviously were never made, so DTEC went into default in terms of the contract. Uh, fast forward to January 21st of this year, um, the original owners of Bluegrass Bioextracts filed suit in the newly formed uh, Jefferson County Business Court, which began its pilot program on January 1st. They've settled it. Um, as of about a week ago, they settled with DTEC Ventures. Um, I spoke to uh, Dr. Eds, and no money changed hands. So in that $69 million suit, um, Eds and Peters and their original investors named in the suit didn't see a dime, but what it allowed them to do, which was the intent, according to Eds, was regain not only access to the building, but also uh, regain their equipment. And so now, that they have their equipment, they are forming or have formed a new LLC called Precision Biotech, and their goal is to continue processing CBD oil with a specific focus on doing it without THC, which apparently can be a lucrative market from what Eds was telling me. Um, with that, uh, the over 100,000 pounds of biomass that's still there are once again open to the farmers. Um, so they have a choice to either sign with the new company or to come pick up their biomass and take it elsewhere um, if they feel that need. Uh, according to Ed's, any liability uh, in terms of original contracts signed, even when Ed's and Peter's were um, running and owners of bluegrass bioextracts, are now, along with the name Bluegrass Bioextracts, in the hands of DTEC Ventures. How many original contracts did Eds and Peters have in the beginning? 
from what I've heard from farmers I've talked to, uh, there were over 200 farmers signed. Um, and those, those contracts range from farmers growing anywhere from two acres to upwards of 20. And, and during any of this time, was there any processing of any of the hemp that they received from the farmers? From what I understand, no. There, it, it really kind of depends on the farmers you talk to. In some instances, um, they've been told, and this is when DTEC was manning the helm uh, with managing director at the time, Nathan Yates, that they had been, some of their um, biomass had been processed for oil. It came back heavy or uh, with metals, too much, uh, too high THC count. There's a lot of varying accounts of what's happened, but as it stands, no, I don't think a single bit of hemp has been processed for uh, wholesale. And do you know... As far as what, did, did all these farmers receive the same contract? Um, there were some um, that actually had, uh, in one instance, uh, there was a farmer who's since taken her 36,000 pounds of hemp to a processor in Illinois. Uh, she actually had a contract that had a pay-by date, was her original contract. But a majority of those that I've spoken to, they were given, yes, um, four dollars per cbd point per pound so to make that a bit more palatable say a farmer came in at 10 percent cbd or 10 cbd points then they could get about 40 dollars a pound with the original contract now since then 2019 when those numbers were accurate farmers now are getting if they're lucky mid 70 cent range per point so using the same math if you had 10 CBD points, you're lucky to get, you know, $7.40 a pound, which is a stark contrast. Well, there were a couple of quotes in your story on Saturday that I, I well, let me just read them to you. Uh, and, and I know you wrote them, but let me read them to our listeners here. I'll read the first quote anyway. This is, this is from Dr. Gerald Eds, a uh, quote from him. He says, the growers own their material, he said. It is only being stored here. If the farmers wish to have someone else process it, all they have to do is call. They have most of our cell numbers. We will help them load it and get it out. They could get it today if they wanted. If they want to talk to us about a new agreement, we will do that. Due to the surplus, we are getting calls daily from people looking for something to do with their crop. If all the farmers took the material that is here now, it wouldn't take us a day to replace it because there is so much out there. <laughs> now, whenever you hear that, and after you, we know we have at least 25 farmers out here locally who had who you know who had these contracts and you're saying they had over 200 contracts and none of these contracts none of these original contracts were fulfilled in the first place did he give you an indication why he thinks that anybody else would want to trust them with their hemp um well you know as it says later in the story and from our interview um he claims that a lot of the farmers they've worked with previously understand the position that uh 
himself and uh, Bruce Peters are in and are are anxious and not only anxious but willing to work with them again. Um, from my past reporting, I at least the people I've spoken with, I don't think that's necessarily true. But what's interesting about that is that given the state of especially processors in Kentucky going into the 2020 grow season, a lot of these guys are sitting on their crop. Um, there aren't a lot of options out there right now. So, Well, doesn't this, you know, the hemp itself, I mean, over time, I mean, it's not like, well, it wouldn't be as good as it was in the beginning, right? I mean, over time, this, is, this, this hemp is going to uh, degrade, right? Well, absolutely. And, you know, you're, you're starting to get into micro microbials, uh, molds, rot. So time really is not on these farmers' sides. And, I mean, that's, that's kind of a statewide issue. But, I mean, specifically looking, I mean, that's 100,000 pounds of biomass that's been sitting. And so it behooves these people to even try to break even or make any money back at all to get it in the hands of somebody that can actually process it into the distillate, into the oil, in the hopes of making money. Um, yeah, the longer it sits, really the more risk these people run of their crop not even remotely being able to be used at all. So where, where is, tell, tell listeners, where, where right now, where is their, this processor, where is it located? Uh, it's, it's, at the, um, it's at the original address on Wing Ave, um, over there in the industrial park. So it's where it traditionally was. Uh, the difference is, as, as you pointed out in the quote, it's no longer bluegrass bioextracts. Um, they don't have office phones. Apparently, from what Dr. Eds told me, those original phone numbers associated with bluegrass bioextracts are also technically DTEX. So really the only way to get a hold of anybody over there right now as he pointed out, is through um, their personal cell phone numbers. Let me read you. I'll read part of this other quote here, uh, again from Dr. Edge. It says, there are groups of naysayers that are unhappy, and we will do what we can to mend that. We are a new company with new owners and buyers, and we will work with new agreements. We are starting over. If you were a farmer, whether you were with them from the beginning or a new farmer, and and they're saying, well, you know, and, and they read all the all the reporting that you've done, Jacob, over this, over the last several weeks, and people have been paying attention, you know, here they are saying, well, we're, we're a new company, and we're going to work with these folks, and we understand there's naysayers. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I I'm 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 trying to struggle here with the idea of just because you're a new company, all of a sudden you're still the same two guys who opened up the original uh, hemp processing plant, but but it's supposed to be all of a sudden just okay just because you have a new name. I mean, does he not does he not see how you know there's something here that that people you know if you're paying attention they're going to say. You know, there's no way that I'm going, you know, you fool me once kind of thing. You know, you fool me twice. I mean, does is any of that lost on him? I, you know, I, I don't know if it's kind of a willful hope, um, if it's lost on him. I, I You know, the narrative that he's stood by the entire time is that um, he and Bruce Peters were dupes. Um, 
in a in a really duplicitous scheme from DTech Ventures, who whose past people have histories of pulling kind of similar acts and stunts. Uh, one of uh, one of whom spent a significant amount of time in prison for wire fraud and had to pay back damages of upward of two point eight million dollars. Um, but as you know, uh, covering agriculture, farmers' memories are long, and they are by and large. They shake your hand, you have a deal with them. They hold you to that and expect it. This isn't something, I think, that's con- a situation that's going to be easily bombed. Um, in these people's minds, they had signed the contracts with the original owners, and a lot of them that I've spoken to hold them responsible for kind of the situation they're in now. There, there were definitely some, uh, some bad feelings towards uh, Peters and Ed selling out to DTEC, there were certainly issues with how DTEC handled farmers with uh, um, allegations of forged heavy metal tests, not honoring contracts. So there's a lot of bad feelings and bad blood. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be as easy as slapping a new name on the place and saying, hey, come on down. Well, right. And, and you also have the licensing process. I know our legislators have been paying attention to this. Uh, one of our legislators, Matt Caslin you know, is on you know, one of these committees that these ag, these ag committees has been paying attention to this. And I know Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles has been paying attention to this. And these two guys come up there on a piece of paper again, requesting licenses for hemp processing again. And then if the state grants them another license, I mean, what kind of a, I mean, what can the state say then if, if once they've seen this, I mean, ha, have you talked to, Anyone from the state, as far as if they see this, you know, how do they react to it? I, I spoke to Commissioner, uh, Commissioner Quarles the other day, actually. And as far as the KDA, you know, they're not, a, uh, they're not an oversight body in terms of the legality of these things. Uh, their, their whole goal, as Quarles has said, is to try to keep the market open, get people involved. Um, the thing is, despite all of this, they, they have no problem in the state of Kentucky getting a uh, processor's license. They'll have no problem at all. Um, the real thing will have to come down to if there's been significant complaint. Um, I've not heard anything back from the attorney general's office, but if there's been significant complaint there. Um, but as it stands, rolling into 2020, there's not um, there's not a lot of new or stringent rules regarding processors. Yeah, and I haven't seen any 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 real bills uh, or, or or any policies, and, and this may be something that's in the works behind the scenes from uh, from the Department of Agriculture as far as how do you vet these uh, so-called entrepreneurs who want to create these processing plants and make these promises, and um, and then you had the farmers fulfilling their end of the bargain, but then the processors, because what well, we started out with 200 processors this year, and at least in here in Kentucky, I've yet to hear about one that has fulfilled the agreements um, or any of them that the farmers can trust now. And, and that has been a real frustration, I know, at the state level and with the legislators up there, the quarrels did he mention anything uh, if they're going to try to tighten any of these uh, policies and, and try to safeguard uh, you know, the farmers and try to help them, even though the farmers are technically taking a risk 
but there still should be, you know, some trust going on within this system. Uh, one change, and it's really one of the only big ones that's coming from the KDA end, is that farmers that are skeptical about growing uh, coming into this year, which are a lot, um, there is a new rule that they can, through a background check, uh, passing it, which they had to do to receive their licenses anyway, they can store um, they continue to store their crop without any kind of hindrance or even without having to really go through the licensure fee all over again. Um, but other than that, the big warning and corals has said it through 2019. Um, he continues to say it now is really be careful and watch it. Um, you know, it is still very much, even with, um, federal loosening of the ability to get insurance for the crop or uh, go through banks, it's still a very speculative and fluid market. Um, there is hopes, and Dr. Eds had said this uh, when I interviewed him, that as, as time goes on in the next few months and the surplus of hemp negates, that prices may go back up and it may be easier to process these things. But I mean, right now, these processors, and there have been some small mom and pop operations in the state that set a cap for themselves, only took on what they could, and they've been, able to honor contracts to an extent but right now there's just so much of it going into the grow year that it's problematic for a lot of farmers it wasn't for seasoned farmers i've spoken with that deal in primarily row crops soybeans tobacco corn um, they won't go back into it this year well i know the deadline is sometime in march um, for uh, as far as farmers seeking licenses to grow this. And so sometime, you know, maybe I guess sometime in the spring, later on in the spring, the state will release. Because I, I, I will be shocked if we have, I know I'll be shocked if we have more farmers wanting to get in on this. I, you know, I, if I were a betting man, and every now and then I am, I, I'm going to predict there, there are going to be fewer farmers in on it this year just based on the, the troubles we've, we've reported on here at the newspaper to me, if I were if I were a farmer, I'd want to see how this played out more, and to see if if this thing corrects itself. And I know there are a lot of high hopes for it. And I, you know, uh, I want the, you know, I, I'm I'm one of these guys, you know, I cover farming, and from a more from a production side, and I want this to succeed. You know, I want and what I want to see is is more more products to be able to be offered to the farmers to be able to make whether it be rope or textiles. You said there were, what twenty five thousand different uses, uses for, hemp. For, yeah, yeah, for hemp, and so. Um, well, you kind of hit the nail on the head, Don. Is that, you know, the hemp's federal industrial hemp's federal uh, legalization. The primary focus in the states was CBD oil, and people knew that this bubble was going to burst. Um, I don't think they could have anticipated, however, which they should have, given not only in the state the big push to get people excited, but uh, nationwide that a lot of people would get into it. It was a sexy crop. It's related to, you know, it's more illicit cousin weed, and a lot of people got into it. Um, that bubble burst about two years before anybody anticipated it bursting. And the issue is now um, there aren't a lot of marketing industries. Um, there hasn't been great, uh, tremendous strides in automotive. Um, there are people looking at livestock feed. That's still not even legal in Kentucky, nor is um, food for uh, human consumption. And a lot of that um, stems from 
the feds. Um, you know, the USDA interim rule doesn't say anything about processors. Um, they don't know what the FDA is going to be looking at in terms of, okay, well, what's suitable with this in terms of making it a food stuff? There just aren't markets open in the U.S. yet. And places like China and Canada, for instance, they've been doing it for ages. They're, they're looking at industrial um, uses for it in terms of textiles, rope, uh, clothing, food, all that. And it's just outside of CBD, it's not really... There's no other market. Yeah, I find it there. ironic. We we kept calling it in the beginning, even industrial hemp. Well, there's not can't really call it industrial hemp if we're only making CBD yeah, oil. There's no industry. Yeah, right there's there. really no industry to it. <laughs> at least not right now. And, and this latest development here that you reported on Saturday, it, it just kind of goes to show you where we are with this right now. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, if this corrects itself over the next year and how many farmers will want to take. A chance ongoing after reading our paper and and seeing what these other farmers have suffered through and so I, I'll be looking forward to those to those numbers whenever they come back sometime in the spring to see how many farmers actually uh, are going to be growing this year and how many acres we're looking at and um, and just see what happens so I think what you'll I think what will be interesting going into this year and I, I absolutely agree with you I, I will be surprised if half of the farmers that grew this year um, actively grow next year. Some, I mean, some are in a position where they have no choice. I mean, they've gone all in. They, they've got to ride this thing until either it's successful or they lose everything, which some already have. Um, I think what you'll see, interestingly, because there are farmers, again, seasoned ones that were working towards it this year, I think you'll see a rise in uh, self-processing. I think you'll see a lot of these farmers, of uh, John Fuller, for example, in Beaver Dam, He's already got the ability to make his own oil. Um, I think you'll see a lot of growth in that and a lot of these guys cutting out the middleman, really, and selling their own product uh, wholesale to whoever may take it and just completely remove the possibility of um, having a middleman processor really hold the keys of the kingdom and uh, hold their success. And that will wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank County Government Reporter Jacob Mulligan for joining me. To send us questions or provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website, Facebook, and iTunes, where you can subscribe to Inquire. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkinson. Good day for Inquire.